welcome to our Sunday evening service. Would you stand, please? Take your songbook, turn to page 519, 519. Join with the choir on Why Worry. sing the first, third, and fourth verses of will Jesus find us watching. When Jesus comes to reward his servants, whether it be noon or night, faithful to him will he find us watching with our lamps all trimmed and bright. Oh, can we say we are ready, brother? Ready for the soul's ride home. Say, will he find you and me still watching? Waiting, waiting when the Lord shall come. Have you been true to the trust he left us? Do we seem to do our best? If in our hearts there is not condemned us, we shall have a glorious
Let's shake hands with one another. Why don't you turn? I don't know if I got some sound here or not. But uh, turn to the person next to you and say, God loves you and I do too. Tony's taking a few days off, and uh, he must have taken the announcements with him because I can't find them anywhere. Uh, uh, you heard them this morning, didn't you? Anybody did not hear the announcement this morning? Then see one of these other folks that did, and they'll tell you. <laughs> I, I think that we have a volleyball game this week, don't we? Okay. And um, so those of you that are involved in that, plan to be here, invite some folks to come and, and join you. I understand that uh, it's, it's almost like a battlefield over there when you're doing doing this, but um, it sounds like it's like it's fun. So uh, be sure to be here for that. I pray about big day. Keep uh, if you haven't already received some of those uh, visitors cards or those inv invitation cards, be sure to get a pack of them. I think there's like 20 or 25 in each of those. And um, take those, and every, every place you go, place one there so that people can see it and be uh, and receive the invitation to be here on big day. Um, on the back of it, there's the how to how to be saved. So no telling how many people reading that. I've I've heard people give testimony that it was through a track that they, you know, they got saved, or maybe uh, something like this. It's not exactly a track, but but uh, it's got the way to be saved on the back. So um, 
be sure to get you a pack of those and, and hand them out. If you've already handed out a pack, get another one and just place them wherever you go. And let's be praying. God will give us a great day here on, on Big Day. Please take your hymn book out and turn to hymn number 512. Hymn number 512. Please stand and join me as we uh, sing the first and second verses of All the Way My Savior Leads Me. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy? winding path I tread gives me grace for every triumph feeds me with the living bread though my weary steps may falter and my soul the thirst may be gushing from the rock before me though a spring of joy I see gushing from the rock before me, though a spring of joy I see. Thank you, baby. See then. All right, Usher, would you come? Continue to pray for Robbie and Abigail and, and the kids. Uh, Brother Jim, the last I heard, Abigail was improving some. A little bit. Amen. We'll keep praying, praying for her. Robbie and, and the um, child was has already been dismissed, haven't they? They're home, and um, so pray for them. I hope I, I understand the whole family actually was sick, but not, not all of them had been. Yeah. All right. So be sure to remember them in prayer. I understand also that they're. Uh, somebody has established a GoFundMe fund, and so any any of it feel like uh, helping them financially, you can uh, do it through that, or just give it to Brother Jim. He'll give it to him. <laughs> uh, so remember them in prayer, and uh, also the kings that are getting ready to to move. They they didn't want to have to, but. Their son that that was kind of helping to take care of them, that lived up near where they were living up uh, up toward uh, Clermont. Uh, he he got transferred his job. They transferred him somewhere else, and so um, they're having to go. They have a daughter that lives in Alabama, and I think she's a nurse, and um, so they're going to go there so that she can help help um, Pat with taking care of Brother Jim, and. Um, He's, uh, you know, he's been having this situation with, with infection in his toes and feet because he has sugar diabetes, and I don't know what happened that, that he injured that one toe, but it's been a been a real problem. So, uh, so remember them in prayer. Wow. Yeah, well, so continue to pray for, for him and for them. And, and I guess it's even more necessary that they uh, move someplace where they, she can have some help in taking care of him. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessings on the offering and on our service here tonight. Brother Pounce, would you lead us in prayer?
may be facing the battle of your life. You may be defeated and too weak to fight. There's strength to overcome in the name of the Lord. When you're covered by the blood and His Word is your soul. that the ladies fellowship will be this Thursday night and uh, ladies you're supposed to bring something to eat that's fall I guess that means pumpkin or something does that have something to do with pumpkin pies stuff like that <clears throat> but um, be sure to be sure to keep that in mind I, you know I, I, I appreciate our music here our singing all those that do the special music, I, when I was a little boy, I don't know, I think I was like in the um, third or fourth grade maybe, we had a um, new teacher come to the school, red-headed teacher, and she was really pretty. She taught music, and uh, so has anybody wanted to uh, take music classes, stay after school, and, and, uh, and then, you know, and then she would she would teach and it cost you a dime. It would cost you a, a, a 10 cents for you to take those <clears throat> lessons. And I don't know where I got a dime from, but I signed up for it. And <clears throat> um, I don't know, a couple of, couple of times that I was there and, and um, she, would, she would work with each, each one of the kids, you know. And, and so finally, finally uh, after about the second session there, uh, she, she pulled me aside and she said, uh, Jean, she said, uh, maybe you ought to concentrate more on sports <laughs> than singing. 
just totally devastated me. I, I've, I've never been able to overcome that. I, but uh, I, I think that's what you what you call uh, tone deaf or something. You know, I I thought I sounded pretty good, but she didn't think I had a chance. Why don't you open your Bibles to the Book of Psalms? First of all, we're going to look at several portion before the message is over. <clears throat> uh, I'm often asked uh, the question, why, why does God allow wicked men, wicked people to rule, to rule over us, rule over a country or, or, or whatever it might be? <clears throat> and I think we can find the answer here when we look at the scripture in Psalm 106. And beginning in verse 40, therefore, therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people. Now it's against his people, insomuch that he, he abhorred his own inheritance. And he gave them into the hand of the heathen. And they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Now, right away, you can see that uh, the reason the reason that God does allow the heathen to rule is because of of the sin of His people, the uh, and the rejection of the Lord and His and His Word and and so forth. And and so the Lord, as a form of judgment, God God allows heathen to rule. Then I want you to look at Isaiah chapter sixteen. Isaiah chapter 16, and in verse 8, it says, for the, for the fields of Heshbon languish. That is, they're not, they're not producing. They're, they're, they're dried. They're dried up. They're not producing. And the vine of Sibma, the lords of the heathen have broken down the principal plants thereof. They are come even unto Jazer, they wandered through the wilderness. Her branches are stretched out. They're gone over the sea. You know the history of Israel. I don't have to go back and, uh, and remind you of what, what, what happened uh, with Israel. God, God chose them. It started with Abraham. He brought uh, Abraham in, into the land. And, and so Abraham kind of became the uh, father of the people that God intended to use to proclaim to the world, to the heathen world, that the God of the Bible, the God of heaven, is the true God. And this is before Christ had come, and so, uh, so their, their, the message was that, you know, we worship the true God, the God of heaven, the God of, of the, what scripture they would have then, didn't have the whole Bible like we do, but uh, but the Jews they were just they would continue to reject the Lord, go away from God, fall into sin. The Book of Judges is all about that. I mean, it's just one time after another, and then uh, uh, they would you know they, some someone of them or maybe some group of them maybe they would uh, turn back to the Lord, and so God would send a judge in, and then they would turn you know they would turn. Uh, turned back to God, and but then they were right back, going right back into sin and rejecting the Lord, and so their their spiritual decline just came to the point to where God said, "Because you have rejected me in my ways, they didn't want God to rule over them; they wanted a king." Remember, and uh, and so God fi finally said, I'll, "I'll let you have what you want," but. Because this is not this is not the perfect will of God for you. Uh, what's going to happen is that that you're, you're not going to be as close to the Lord. He said, "I will, I will spend, uh, send spiritual leanness into your souls." And so, spiritual decline. America closely parallels the history of Israel, a chosen nation, specially blessed of God, just like Israel. America started out right. It started out no matter what the uh, revisionists want to want to tell us and want to teach in our schools. 
America started out right, started as a Christian nation. The first official document of the original settlers, the document was called the Mayflower Compact, said that we have come here for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith. Not, not Muslim faith, not Buddhist faith, not Hindu faith, not, not some other false religion. We've come here for the advancement of the Christian faith. That's what missionaries do, isn't it? They were, so those first, first settlers were, in a sense, they were missionaries. They were, they were coming. Now, uh, also, the settlers, they were not immigrants. You know, people were t- they're telling us, they, well, you know, America was settled by immigrants. No, it wasn't. It was settled by settlers because there was no nation. There was no uh, United States of America for them to come to. That all, that all took place after they were here. So they were, they were coming to an unsettled country. They were coming here to settle and to, and to advance the Christian faith. But like, just like Israel of old, our nation is in spiritual decline. And I, I personally believe that, that we've reached a point there's no turning back. I do, I do not believe that there will ever be uh, a, in the history of America, there'll ever be another wholesale turning back to God. Now, churches, there may be churches that have revival. There may be cities. There might even be uh, large colonies of people that, would, that can have revival, that they would, they would uh, turn to God and all that. But, but as a nation, as a nation, I think we've gone too far. I, believe, I don't believe there's, there is going to be any turning back. We have come to the place in, in America where there is a satanic hatred for God and the things that God of God that permeate our entire society for over for over 50 years we have seen a decline of every phase of life in America and God has given America over for the lords of the heathen to rule over us it says here that that uh, the the heathen have broken down the vines now you don't, don't need to turn to it right now, but if you want to jot down the margin of your Bible, John chapter five, chapter 15, rather. John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine. I am the vine. Therefore, when it talks about there in Isaiah, the principal plants of the vine, that's talking about the people of God and the principles upon which our country was founded. The system of government found in the Bible and of which our, our government was patterned after and the economic and educational, moral and religious values that God gave us. The vine and plants broken down means that Jesus Christ and his principles, his values and standards have been rejected and replaced. Instead of, instead of the things of God, what, what you have is humanism. You have humanism. That's the religion of America now. That instead of Christianity being predominant, it's humanism. America is a dying corpse where final rites have been administered and very little breath left because we have cut ourselves off from the vine. The Lord Jesus Christ is the vine. Any nation or any entity not founded on and rooted in the vine cannot survive. Uh, Branches on a plant, they cannot survive if the vine dries up. If if there's no, no watering, no cultivating, if there's no care of the, of the vine, then the branches are, they're, they're not going to flourish. And, the, and the, the heathen have, have cut off the vine, re- rejected the vine. And so the, the vine has become a, an alien in our society. The Lord Jesus is despised, rejected, hated, denied, 
and, and every door of our society is closed to God and his system of morality. His way of living and family values is, a, is attacked and his people aren't considered capable and fit to be in our government anymore. A man cannot run for public office on the basis of his Christian beliefs and convictions or he'll be crucified by the liberal, godless media and represented as a rabble-rousing fanatic and crackpot. You may remember some years ago, uh, a man, he was a decent man, he was a Christian man, Dan Quayle. You remember how the press, how the media crucified the man because, because of some statement that he'd made and uh, that they didn't, they didn't like, didn't agree with. He, he, there, there was a TV program back then that I don't remember the title of it was Murphy Brown, but the, character, the main character was Murphy Brown. And, uh, and he made a comment about, uh, about Murphy Brown. And so the, the media got jumped on that. And so they started calling him a crackpot, a fanatic, you know, a, uh, and, and an imbecile in effect. And so um, you, you don't hear, you don't hear. You didn't hear anything else about him that was good after that. They actually banished that man from from having any anything to do with our with our government. The people of America are afraid to elect a man of principle to public office. There's the satanic lie of don't mix politics with religion. There's never been a bigger lie that's ever been told than that one. That was hatched and spawned in the very pits of hell. If you study, read the Old Testament, 90% of the messages that were preached by the prophets were against the king, against the government, those that were in rule because they were, they were, they were not, not obeying God. They were leading the people in the wrong direction. In fact, if you, if you uh, go back in, in the history of our country even, in, here in America, you'll find that the, that the, the leaders here in our country, the people that, that, uh, that wrote the Constitution, the, the uh, Bill of Rights and all, these were people, these were men that most of them professed to be Christians. And the kind of lives they lived bore that out. They were men of principle, men of integrity, men that could be trusted. But you know, you know now uh, you hear one of our politicians, they make a statement, and you, you wonder how long is it going to be before we find out that was just a big lie. Back um, some years ago, a guy named William Bennett, he was, he was appointed by, that was back whenever Bush was the president, he was appointed to be the educational director. And um, I, I had a, have a book, I had just taken some uh, excerpts out of, the, out of a book that, that he wrote, The Battle Over Separation of Church and State. And he said, what the American people don't understand and I think they're right not to understand it is that a group of students can, by law, get together and say, we, we must all advance the Marxist revolution. A group of students can get together and say, I don't like reds, I like green drugs, what kind of drug do you like? A group of students can get together and talk about various methods of birth control, but they can't get together and say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In too many places, American public education religion has been ignored, banned, or shunned in ways that serve neither knowledge, the Constitution, nor sound public policy. There's no good curricular or constitutional reason for textbooks to ignore, as many do, the role of religion in the founding of this country or its prominent place in the lives of many of its citizens. We should acknowledge that religion from the pilgrims to the civil rights struggle is an important part of our history of civics, literature, art, music, poetry, and politics, and we should insist that our schools tell the truth about it. You know, I think, I thank God that, 
that here, here in our church, we have, we have some teachers that teach in uh, uh, public school. I'm glad for that. I'm glad that we've got, we still have a sprinkling of people in the public school where they're, they're not public, that's a misnomer. They're not public schools any longer. They're government schools. But what we used to call, what we used to think of as public school, call them that. But now, now they're they're run by the government. They run, and the government, the uh, government just takes uh, the advice of the teachers' unions, and and that's not that's not good. So so instead of getting uh, instead of getting people in 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 government anymore with with principle, people that that can be trusted to keep their word and all that. You instead of that, you get you get uh, perverts and and corrupt corrupt people in in the government, and any any person who's who's uh, decent, they don't last long there. They they they, they don't they want to get out of it. There have been several people that that uh, have been very conservative uh, politicians, but but one by one they have they have not ran for another term because. Because of all the corruption that's there, I I heard uh, uh, Adam Putnam one time. One time he he was uh, uh, in in the Senate there in Washington D.C. and very very popular here in the state of Florida. And and I heard him say he he after I think it was two terms he he chose not to run for a reelection. And uh, and he he said the reason was that. That uh, he felt like he could do more for the state of Florida here than up there in Washington D.C. because because there's so much there's actually so much politicking going on and not governing and uh, so our country our country is in a mess it's in a mess the you know the, the almost daily and. You know, you turn on. I got where I, I, I kind of pick and choose. You know what what I want to what I want to watch, uh, and and I haven't I haven't watched any of the major news networks in years and years. I have not watched them because they're 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 lying. They're not and they're 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 taking things and they're twisting it, and they're not reporting the news. They're giving a commentary. That's what their opinion of of everything is. And so I, I pick and choose. So, so the lords of the heathen rule over us. Who are they? Well, first of all, we have the heathen lords of our political and judicial systems. You know, I thought judges. I thought judges were supposed to be impartial. I didn't. I didn't know that they were supposed to be partial toward one political party or the other. I thought they were supposed to be. I suppose. I thought that they were supposed to be. Executing the law, the, the the laws of the land, the uh, constitution, and not and not you know appealing to, to one or the other political party. But that's that's not the case anymore, is it? Uh, an example of this is the 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 property rights and. And uh, and taxes and and our system of jurisprudence, we've replaced God's laws of property ownership and management with the laws of Karl Marx and the societies of Eastern Europe. In a in a discussion on on TV recently, the uh, it was brought up about socialism. Socialism, you understand, don't you, that socialism is just a soft word for communism. It, it's not, it's, it's, it, is, it is communism, but they, they'd rather call it socialism because that doesn't sound as bad. And this is what it seems like that, that many of our government officials, that this is what they're advocating. You, can't, you cannot own your own property and do what you want to with it without government interference and everything you do. You 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 can't cut down a tree in the city of Winter Haven without a permit. 
You can't put up a sign. We had to get a permit to put our sign out there. If we have for there, there for a while when we were having special things, we would rent a sign, one of those flashing signs. You've seen them, you know, with the era. And we had to get a permit even to do to do that. When uh, we had the hurricane, it blew our steeple off the, up there, and and uh, so we. We hired some people, we purchased a steeple, hired some people to come in, put it in. And, uh, and we were not, it was not anything, you know, it was not different. It was going to be set on the same bolts that were already up there with the previous steeple. They, they set it on there and one of these guys came along and saw what was happening, came in there and, and asked, him, asked to see where's your permit. And we hired a company. There was a company that was doing it. They hired a company to do it. And so, well, we didn't know we had to have a permit just to replace. We're not building one. We're just replacing one that was already there. And nothing's being changed. I mean, it's going to be bolted onto the same bolts that's already there that were being used to hold the other steeple on. But, you know, we wound up, it cost us $800 because we had to get an engineering company to, to draw out a sketch and, and to uh, show exactly how that was all going to be done. It cost $500 uh, to pay the engineer for, for that, and then another $300 had to do that before we get the permit. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We, we, uh, we, this has been years ago, but all these trees out here, those are not our trees. Those belong to the city. They're on city property. Now, I like them. I'm glad they're there. I like them, but we, uh, we called the city back years ago when I first came here and wanted to know if they would, they would trim them. And they said, uh, we'll let you. We'll let you if you want to, but we, we, we're not, we don't have the time. We don't have time to do that. We had to not, not too long ago. We, we had to have all, because limbs were falling out, falling on people's cars out in the parking lot. So we had to have, we had to have tree company come in and trim the city's trees. Trimming all of those and, and in the back alley back there, which we, we own that property over there, so we're responsible for those trees back there as well. And, and it cost our, our church $7,000 to get that done. All because of... of uh, dumb laws, ordinances, and restrictions, you know, that, that the city government places on us. They, they, they like it whenever they can find something wrong, they can write us up. They like it. I, can, I couldn't begin to tell you the, uh, the, the, the problems that, that the, the government the government, governmental agencies of Winter Haven have cost us over the years. The, the money that we've had to spend to meet, you know, to meet their stupid restrictions. You, you, start, a, you start a building here and, uh, and, and before you can have your second cup of coffee in the morning, you'll have eight government bureaucrats out here telling you what you can do and what you can't do. You, know how, you want to know how God would run things? Look at, look at Isaiah chapter 65. Show you how God would run things. And verse 21, and they... And they shall, now this is during the millennium. This is when, uh, when the Lord Jesus is reigning. And they shall build houses and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my, my people and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall 
not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Now, this is not part of my message, but this is just a side note here. You notice that statement there, in dust shall, the, shall be the serpent's meat. You see that there? That means that even during the millennium, when the curse has been lifted from everything else, the curse is still on the snake because he's still going to be eating dust. The curse is not removed from the serpent. Why? Because that the, the serpent represents the devil. This is the way it's going to be when Jesus reigns. You won't have to worry about the IRS taking half of what you make. You don't have to worry about zoning laws that harass you to death. Government restrictions that make it impossible to make a living. Another, another, um, another problem, the, our, our way of life is threatened because, because uh, government has interfered in our business and property so that zeal and free enterprise is, is deadened by defeating uh, zoning restrictions, impact fees, skyrocketing taxes, crippling demands, increasing red tape, and mounting paperwork. You can't even blow your nose without big brother the government looking over your shoulder to be sure you're using government-approved Kleenex. Broken down, it broken down God's justice system. The heathen, the heathen that rule of us, they've broken down God's system of justice. I want to show you the 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 bedrock law, the bedrock bedrock rule. There, you, you can have no laws, you can have no um, restrictions on things without, without this bedrock law that God put into effect way back in the book of Genesis chapter 9. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6, now I'm talking about this is people, this is people who are uh, in law, there's people who have written books about law, these people who have, who have helped to establish laws and all that, and they all agree that this, this is the foundation. Without capital punishment, your other laws are ineffective. What, is it, what does God say? Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. When, when, a, when, a, when a country, a nation decides that they will not practice this law, they will not abide by this, then what happens is lawlessness. People are not afraid. They're not afraid anymore to commit crimes. Not afraid. You know, back, uh, back when we were in Bible college, they were, they were uh, someone that they were going to be electrocuted and, and so you had these, you know, these do-gooders, you know, that out there, and they were praying around and all, and oh, you know, that's a, that's a sin and all this stuff. Don't, you know, you shouldn't do that. And uh, and they were saying, you know, that that execution is not a deterrent to crime. And I remember one of our professors said, you know, that's that's nonsense. It it definitely is a deterrent to that guy that gets electrocuted. He's not gonna kill anybody else. Did you know that in our country now, that the, the average time that a person sends in, in prison for murdering somebody, seven years. Seven years. That's the average. Now, there, I know there's some that, that uh, they don't get out that late, but the average is seven years. People aren't afraid to it. Look at, look at on, on the TV, it's showing almost every night these people are breaking into businesses and stealing stuff, and and uh, there were, there was one there. They were they were showing a police officer standing standing on the corner, and he was just standing there. He didn't do anything. I guess he was just afraid to, afraid to do anything because because he he knew that that uh, our our government was going to be on side on the side of the looters. The law of capital punishment.
when you do away with that, you might as well do away with everything else. Criminals receive millions of taxpayer money for defense. If someone broke, broke into your home and, and, uh, and, and kills your child, our judicial system is in such a mess that immediately they've been, they begin thinking more of the criminal than the victim. Millions are spent to be sure that the murderer gets a fair trial, but not one dime for the victim. This is a perverted system. And the problem is that we're, the heathen are ruling over us. One time after church, one Sunday morning after church, we drove home, went home, and uh, I had, at that time, I had uh, a couple of cars, two cars. Uh, we left, we left one, one car sitting outside, and uh, well, we got there, and I pulled up into the driveway, and and I, you know, I thought, where's my car? Did did I did we drive both cars to church today? Uh, no. No, we just, all of us went together in one car. And, well, did I let, did somebody, did I let somebody borrow my car? And, no, no, I don't remember doing that. And, and so we, you know, clicked the garage door open, the door, door, door came up, went inside. And, uh, you know, by this time I'm realizing, you know, somebody has stolen my car. Now, I left the car locked. I knew that I'd left it locked. The key to the car was inside the dresser drawer in our bedroom. But uh, so, you know, I, I called the, we're, we don't live in the city, we live in the county, so I called the county uh, uh, patrol and told them, you know, that my car had been stolen. They came out, got the information. <clears throat> and uh, so days go by, days go by, not, not heard anything, not heard anything at all. At that time, uh, one of the police officers was a member of our church, Jimmy Jones. Some of you may remember Jimmy Jones. He was, I think he was a sergeant there on the police force. But he called me one day and he said, Preacher, did you get your car back yet? I said, no, I haven't heard anything. They haven't found it. He said, oh, yeah. They, he said it came, all, it came across on the uh, uh, police report there that, that the car, in fact, it's, it's, it was several days ago. Uh, they found it. It had been wrecked. And, uh, and so they, you know, a wrecker took it to some uh, uh, yard, you know, and so it's been there. And I said, well, I hadn't heard, you know, hadn't heard anything from them, hadn't heard anything about it. So he, he said, well, I'll, I'll get in touch with the, you know, with, with the county and, and uh, you know, find out why they, you know, why they haven't already notified you because, because they, they would have had to have been notified when, when they picked the car up because you know, the tag and all, and they found out who it, who it belonged to and all that. And uh, so, so that finally, uh, one day, a county patrolman called and said, uh, said, yeah, your car has been found. He said, uh, uh, and the, the, what happened was there was a boy, and it turned out that there was a 15-year-old boy in our neighborhood there that uh, our, at the time, our son, Brett, our youngest son, Brett, he was still at home in school, and so we had a basketball goal out there on, at the end of the driveway. And uh, so this kid would come over, and they'd shoot basket and stuff. And uh, and so sometimes, you know, Brett would let him let him come in the house to his room and and stuff. And so I guess he he uh, casing the place out and uh, found out where we kept the key. But so then he stole a garage door, one of the garage door openers. Back then, uh, you know the the, the garage door opens. We had anyway. We're just kind of like a you know a little box thing, and and uh, we we lay we we leave laying on the kitchen counter or maybe on the dresser in the bedroom or something. <clears throat> and so I guess he must have seen uh, that. So he stole one of those garage door openers. So while we were at church, he he came opened up the garage door, came inside, and um, we didn't find never found anything else missing. But somehow he had found the car keys that was in the drawer, in a drawer, a nightstand that was there. And he'd gone out and he drove it over to Tampa. And so he was, he was driving real fast and, 
and uh, ran through some stop streets and traffic lights and all that. So the cops started chasing him, and they chased him until he he uh, lost control and he ran out in into a field and wrecked the car, and uh, and so they they had it hauled to some uh, junkyard there, I guess, and uh, and so. When when I found out, I, I then called the place where they had it, and and they said, well, he said we we haven't had permission to uh, to fix it, and said the the gas tank's been torn off of it. Evidently, he ran over some things and tore the gas tank off, and uh, and the the whole side, the right hand side, had been bashed in, the fender doors, everything it was a four door, everything all the way back's been bashed in, so in pretty bad shape. We haven't had any any. Uh, permission, you know, to fix things. I said, well, uh, just put a gas tank on it and fix it so it will run, and I'll get the body work done here. I don't, you know, just just do that. And so a few days later, I get a call, and it was the, the guy who was the, he, he was a, a uh, he worked in the uh, Child and Family Services Division. He was the uh, uh, youth, you, he was the guy that, you know, took care of the young people. And uh, he told me, he said, uh, he said, the, the boy gave me the name of the boy and where he lived, and he said he was 15 years old. And uh, and I said, well, uh, what, are, what are you going to do? And he said, we're not going to do anything. I said, you mean, you mean he's just going to get away with stealing my car, wrecking my car, and it's costing me money? Uh, but he's just going to get away with it. He said, that's right. And he said, uh, he said, mister, if you, if you call them or go to their house, if you even set foot in their yard, I will prosecute you. I said, now, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. It was my car that was stolen. It was my car that was wrecked. It's, it's, it, I'm the one that's going to have to put out money to, to get that car fixed. But yeah, you're making me you're, you're, instead of the victim, you're making me the criminal. And he said, that's right. See, that's, what's, that's what I'm talking about. The heathen rule, rule over us. When, when the true vines are broken down, the, vi- the wild vines will flourish. You, if you ever had, you ever planted anything, flowers or anything, you ever had any kind of a garden, uh, you know that it's harder to get the good stuff to grow is easy for the wild, wild stuff. I mean, it'll grow on its own. The, when, the, when the true vines are broken down, the, the wild vines flourish. I want you to look at another scripture and, and we'll quit. Second Kings chapter 4. Beginning verse 38. And you're all you're familiar with the story here. Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Sit, sit on the great pot, that is, put it on, put it on the, the, the fire, and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. Now these, these are these uh, college students. They were going to seminary there under uh, Elisha. And he said, uh, got to feed them. And one went out in the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered thereof wild gourds to his lap full and came in and shred them in the pot of, in the pot of pottage for they knew them not. They, they didn't know that they were wild. They didn't know they were poisonous. So they poured out for the men to eat and it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there's death in the pot. And they could not eat thereof. Verse 41, But he said, then bring meal and cast it into the pot. And he said, pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Elisha said, bring, bring me meal. Now, what's that all about? Bring me meal. And the meal destroyed the poison of the wild vines. In the book of Leviticus, the Bible tells us that the meal, which was to be, that was to be in those offerings were made stuff. Uh, the meal represented Christ in his perfection. I preached a message on that one time. 
The meal represented Christ in his perfection. The poison of the heathen lords must be sweetened by the Lord Jesus Christ. The lords of the heathen have taken over every area of our societal system. The good vines broken down, the wild vines are flourishing. What can be done? What is the remedy? What can we do? I don't advocate violence, rebellion. I believe the answer is getting people saved, getting them saved. And so since we're, I'm talking to you tonight, we're here, we're here together here together tonight. Are you saved? Are you saved? See, primary, that's the, the primary reason that we're gathered here is that we, we want people to get saved. We want you to hear the message from the Lord and we want you to get saved. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, then we invite you to come. Let us show you in the Bible how you can be saved. If you're a Christian, need to rededicate your life, invite you to come. The invitation is open for you for whatever the, whatever the need may be. I'm going to ask you to stand, please, with your heads bowed. Now, Heavenly Father, I ask you to bless the invitation time. Speak to every heart. I pray. I know this has not been an evangelistic message, but but I also know that you've said that your word would not return unto you void to accomplish what you sent it for to do. And so if there's someone here tonight without Christ, I pray they'll come and be saved. If they're Christians that need to rededicate their life, may they come. May each of us determine that the the answer, the answer to the problems that we encounter in our society can only be remedied by winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ. There has to be a transforming of their, of their nature. And so I pray that you'd help each of us, Lord, that we would determine that we're going to be witnesses. We're going to do our best to win souls to Christ. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing a verse of invitation song, we invite you to come tonight.